Lord, we thank you that you are a God who we can rely upon because you are a God who is faithful and just. You are a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity now to delve into your word and learn more of who you are, God, and what we have in you. And so I pray your blessing upon this word and this people tonight. And we thank you for your faithfulness and grace. Amen. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 4, it says, we have, we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the, if the ministry of the condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even that what was made glorious has no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Jesus said in Matthew, For this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We believe in a covenant-making God. We believe in a God who is faithful. And when we speak of covenant, and uh, I recognize that probably many of you understand covenant, but we recognize that it is something that, that makes God faithful. Because God is one who not only makes covenant, but he keeps covenant. Nehemiah 9 and verse 32 says, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy. Now if you've ever studied world religions, there's many gods that are out there that claim to be God. But I would say this is the one in, in the little bit that I've studied that sets God Almighty apart from the rest. In most world religions, you're not sure what you're going to get every day. Depends on how the God wakes up that day. He might be grumpy. He might be happy. 
He might be sad. With some of them, he might be married and his wife was mad. So you have to appease the mother and the wife. And you're not really sure what you're going to get because that God is based on emotion, not based on covenant. And so as we begin to delve into what covenant is and what what a God-making and keeping covenant God is, we understand, and it can, it, the, the, my desire tonight is to build a stability within us that we understand who God is and how faithful He is to stand with us and to walk us through life and to keep covenant with us. It is absolutely absurd to think why a God who is almighty would make covenant with, a man, with men who are fallible. And that is the grace of God. Then he says, I will come and I will make covenant. He actually, the, the real term should be cut covenant with you. Because covenant always speaks of sacrifice. It always spoke of a sacrifice and they sacrificed before they cut covenant. There was always a death. There was always a, an ending of a life to make covenant. Because it brought the weight and the severity of that covenant to reality. You see, often we we don't understand how how God um, set this thing in motion. Maybe you're fairly new to Christianity. Maybe you're fairly new to God. And and this just sounds like a good idea. Or a good philosophy. Or sounds like a nice God. But God is rooted in faithfulness. And so thereby is reliable. I would much rather believe in a God who is reliable than believe in a God who is fickle. Everybody understand what fickle is? It means you change with the weather, especially these days. It may be raining one day, it may be sunny another day. Our God is faithful through all the weather. Hebrews 9 and verse 24 says, For Christ has not entered the, most, the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus Christ came, died, sacrificed himself, didn't enter through the human temple, but went to heaven himself, For us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another, but he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, but now, once at the end of the age, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it appointed for men to die once, and after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of the many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. That Jesus Christ made a way for us. You see, in the the covenantal nature of God, whenever there was separation, there had to be sacrifice. 
And our sin separates us from God. And so it was required by God to make a worthy sacrifice to cover sin. And nothing prior to Jesus coming to the earth and giving of Himself as a sinless sacrifice could appease that covenant or, or, or meet the covenantal requirements. That's why Jesus is so important. That's why dying for your sin makes sense. How many ever thought of when you're younger? That makes no sense. Why does, why does he have to die for my sin? Why couldn't he just say you're forgiven? Because it was a requirement of the law by God in his covenant nature that there would had to be a death, there had to be a sacrifice to cover that sin. <coughs> and so Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, I know of no other God that would lay down his life For his friends, let alone his enemies. It says we were enemies <laughs> in our sin. Can you imagine if your best friend came along and did something really mean and you had trusted them your whole life and they just betrayed you? Can you imagine the emotions that would rise up? Have you ever, I don't know if I've been the only one in this place, but... You know, it's just like, oh, man. And here is God, a very God, who is sinless, who offered us all the promises. He, he opened up the garden. He said, here, go, have it all. Just one thing. Don't eat of evil. <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil. Right? All the other trees were wonderful. But the one thing, the no see, they had the knowledge of the good. It was just they added the knowledge of the evil on that fallen day. Here is God who, and all of a sudden, His creation. Forget your friend. What about your kids? My kids aren't sitting here. It's nothing to do with them. But your own child would betray you. How difficult that would be. And yet here is God, a very God, giving Himself up. Not just for His children, but for those who turn their back on Him. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're stumbled in here, whatever it is, and, and you don't know anything about God, but listen, I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ died for you. He died for your sin. He died for your transgression. He knew before that day He went to the cross your name. And He says, it's worth dying for that one. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of a covenant-keeping God. Hebrews 10 and verse 19 goes on to say, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest uh, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The reason we can put faith in him is because he is faithful. If God is not a covenant-keeping God, He is not faithful to, to be relied upon. But He is faithful. <coughs> he is a, a one who keeps His covenants, who keeps His promises. We are the promise breakers. He is the one who's been faithful. We have rebelled, and He has ushered in us a, a way to come back into that covenant relationship. And that's why it says, have boldness to enter. Because, not because of what we have accomplished, but because of the blood of Jesus. We heard this morning, we all have access. We all have access to the Holy Spirit, to that most holy place. Before the new covenant, you didn't have access. I didn't have access. One guy, once a year, if he prepared himself just perfectly and wore the right robe, they had bells upon his thing because if they didn't hear the bells and there was a rope and if he wasn't quite right, I think I'm pretty right on that, right, Pastor Ron? I'm sure he taught me this. The presence of God would strike you down, the bells wouldn't ring, and they would pull you out. That's how serious covenant relationship is. If you come into the holiest, holy of holies unprepared and unclean, as it were, you are struck down in the presence of God. And here is Jesus saying, listen, I want to give you boldness to enter. How many of you think that, that, holy, that high priest once a year wasn't a little bit nervous? He'd heard the stories. He knew. But Jesus says, listen, I'm ushering in a new way. You come through the blood and the blood of Jesus. You're walking through the blood and you are covered. When God looks at you, He doesn't look at the dirty, rotten sinner you are. He looks at Jesus. And He says, you are worthy to enter into the Holy of Holies. You are worthy to enter into My presence. You are worthy to hear My voice and to see Me move. Each one of us Let us draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I want to stir you up tonight. Because we all have access because of who he is. not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, it is important for us to enter together into the presence of God. Man-made religion pushes it off to the high priest. God-made religion says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy and, and laden down. 
and I will give you rest. That's why I believe when the earlier scripture when it says no more shall every man teach his neighbor. Yes, we need teaching. Yes, we need understanding. But your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ is not tied to your pastor. If you think you're more spiritual because you have a very spiritual pastor, you're in trouble and you're missing out. God has life for you individually. He has a word for you. He has a voice for you. He has an intimacy with the Holy Spirit for you. And so I want to encourage you tonight because it's very important for us to have that boldness. The thing the enemy hates is boldness in the Spirit. Because if he can keep you stepped down, pushed down, you know, you might still be saved, but you're not walking in the fullness. He says, listen, understand what Jesus Christ did so you can enter with boldness. Psalm 89 and verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. How many of you know you are chosen tonight? Amen? If not, read your Bible. And I have sworn by my servant David, your seed. We are Davidic seed. We are God's seed. We are seeds of promise. Your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Listen, this word is not just for this generation. But it is to go through to all generations. I appreciate the pastors that taught me as a young man for, to have boldness and to, to allow the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to be able to enter into that place myself. I grew up in religious church. I thought the only spiritual church guy was the pastor because he wore a robe and he sounded really important. And then all of a sudden I found out I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that God can speak to me just like He can speak to that pastor. And as we begin to walk together in ministry, in fellowship, in relationship. Now listen, pastors are important. Teachers are important. But we learn to walk together. That's to direct us and move us into the fullness that God has for each one of us so that when you're in the midst of the thing, you can hear from God and not run scattered and afraid. The best way I can illustrate covenant, I believe, is the picture of an umbrella. And I know uh, I tell the story often. I, I moved to Vancouver when I was a young man. I was 18 years old. Within three weeks, I had to buy an umbrella. And I it had an umbrella with me all the time. And you're starting to understand that the last three weeks, that's Vancouver nine months of the year. 
a beautiful place, very wet. I moved back to Alberta, and I forgot about my sunglasses. And I had to buy sunglasses within the first three weeks. And I, I don't know where my umbrella went, actually. This last couple of weeks, I was like, where's my umbrella? And I, I'd always have one in my car. I don't have an umbrella anymore. But the umbrella is, what I, I really believe, is it's, it's the covering. And, and we understand God covers us, and his covenant covers us. And so if you can picture walking through life under the umbrella, and you see, we don't, when you're under the umbrella, you, you, you see the storm, you see the storm, but you don't really realize all that goes on out there. And sometimes, you know, depending on the storm, you might get a little wet or it might be blowing. And, and, and sometimes I think that's sometimes, you know, in God's eyes, it's probably what, what we face. You know, we get a little bit of trial and we're like, oh my goodness, life is over. God's going, man, you are so covered by the umbrella. You're getting a little bit on your foot. But if I remove that umbrella, you won't believe what could happen. And and, and so I want to encourage you because I believe that God, you know, he has this umbrella of his blessing and his umbrella of covenant. And as we come into this this relationship, this umbrella envelops us. And he begins to develop us and begins to, to walk with us. And, and there's certain things as we walk with the Lord and, 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 and we are covered. Now, how many of you know when you were a first Christian, man, everything went perfectly great for two weeks. And then you read the scripture about when persecution comes. I never heard about persecution the day I got saved. But then the persecution comes. The testing of our faith comes. You know, and, and, and God's desire is to strengthen us and to be able to walk through storms in life, to walk through life. His umbrella is there, but, but there's a place to, to just kind of pull it back a little and allow some of that so we can get stronger. Because he realizes in this life there is difficulty. In this life, there is sin. In this life, there is injustice. In this life, there is unrighteousness. In this life, there is an enemy who walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's got a big roar with very little bite. He's like a roaring lion. But if he can distract you and bring you into a place of fear and and hold you down from entering into boldness, he's accomplished what he would desire. And so we begin to learn to walk under the umbrella. So as we walk in covenant, we begin to understand there are responsibilities to a covenant relationship with God. When we first get saved, it's all about me and Jesus and what Jesus can do for me and what Jesus did for me. But all of a sudden I begin to understand, hey, there's a whole world out here that God has covenant, uh, I'm going to call them rules, or covenant principles, or covenant, and, and really what that is is, listen, He created this thing. He knows how it works. Just think about the, the biggest, most ridiculous theory I ever came up with, that this just happened with a big bang. Just poof, and it all, how did it spin just the right speed and keep the environment and keep the seasons and, and right tilt to the sun? And that was just a big bang. 
It was a massive touch of God, explosion. And it was set into place with a master's touch, with a covenant reality that I'm going to keep this thing spinning just at the right angle, in the moon just in the right place, and the, and the atmosphere in just the right distance from the sun so they don't scorch themselves, except in summer. And, 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 and it's cool enough in winter that they can relax for a while and go to Hawaii. And I've just set everything into perfect place because I understand what they need. And so I hold it in balance. It's so ridiculous to think that we have something to do with all of that. And as we walk in this covenant, you see God sets laws in place. There is natural law. Right? There is a natural law. If, if you jump out of an airplane, you see... Gravity is essential to us. Or we would just be all Martians right now or wherever we'd end up. We would fly off this planet. But it's spun just perfectly. And this is going back a lot of years, so I hope this is right. It's spun perfectly to keep gravitational pull to keep us standing. So when you jump out of an airplane, it's a bit irresponsible to think that you're not going to go to the ground. We violate the natural law. We step out. You see, this is the covenant. Here's the natural law umbrella. And now I'm going to violate the natural law umbrella and expect God to save me. And His grace is sufficient to do that. But I'm, I'm stepping out of the natural law. And now my life is in my own hands and gravity. And now I have to cry out for the grace of God. And God says, you should have just listened, not to step out of the airplane. It would have been smarter. Now his angels can pick me. You under, so I paint that picture. I realize it's simplistic. Because it's easy to understand natural law. But when we begin to walk in, in obedience with God, so Matthew 7, 11, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So when we talk about walking in covenant, we talk about doing the will of God. In other words, I'm going to continue, if this is God's will for my life, I'm going to continue to walk on this umbrella. As soon as I do my own will, I begin to step out of the umbrella of his covering by my choice. And all of a sudden now, I'm not covered. Now, there's a big umbrella up there, but I'm not covered the way I was covered because I've walked, and this is what sin is. I reject the law of God, and I do my own thing, and I reject what Jesus has accomplished, and now I'm outside of that moral law. And I'm not covered and now all of a sudden things begin to inundate that I wasn't expecting. And, and, and I get to a place and sometimes I'm out there for a long time because I'm really stubborn. And, and, and it takes something to, to, to bring me back to that throne room of grace and say, God, forgive me. And right away, it says, His mercies are new every morning. I'm back under the cover. Okay, let's walk again and find out, you know. And, and, and little by little, we learn it's easier to walk in the will of God than outside the will of God. 
and we begin to, to, to listen. That's why it's important for each of us to have a tuning to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know your flesh can sometimes be louder than the Holy Spirit in your life? And so it says we, we bring our flesh into subjection. In other words, we begin to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient so that we can walk into the fullness of His covenant, in the fullness of that relationship, in the fullness of that covering. Hebrews 8 and 10 says, This is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. I'm walking responsibly under the will of God. Under the umbrella of God. Now this can break into all sorts of elements and we don't have time tonight. But within all of creation, there are God laws, moral laws. A nation can step out of the umbrella of, of, of the, of the uh, covering of the Lord and all of a sudden all of, everything begins to stir up. And I don't even want to go down that road because it's there's too much there. But nations can. Individuals can. Churches can. Churches can step out of the covering of the Lord and the will of God. And all of a sudden there's a tragedy. There's this, there's that, there's whatever, there's abuse. Because they've stepped out of listening to that still small voice. Of walking according to the Word. There's responsibility we have under the covering of the Lord. Second point, blessing. There is a blessing under the umbrella of the Lord. Galatia 4, Galatia, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. We were formerly slaves. We are now sons. My sons, believe it or not, even though they don't think this, get special treatment at times. Sometimes there's an extra measure of grace. Sometimes there's an extra measure of blessing. Because they're sons. They aren't just workers, they're sons. So you have a generational understanding and thinking. Some of my workers, I could care less what they... I hope they're not here. I could care less what they do next week. Because they are not my responsibility after 5 o'clock. But my sons, that's different. My daughters, that's different. So as sons, there's a different level. As daughters, there's a different level. God has sent forth the spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. With the covenant blessing of the Lord, we are heirs. Think about who and what you are heir to. We're talking the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're talking God of the whole universe. We're talking the one who comes and goes as he pleases, who can stop the storm or whatever it is. You are an heir. And as we begin to walk in that kind of boldness, understanding, how do you know the enemy doesn't like it? 
Because now all of a sudden I'm walking in authority. I'm walking in this earth and making it as it is in heaven. I am establishing the kingdom principles of the Lord in my realm of responsibility because I'm an heir. This earth belongs to me and you, but mostly me. No, just kidding. <laughs> but I have, I have ownership of a certain realm of authority in this world. And God has given that to me as a, as a, a, a responsibility to tend, to have dominion over, to care for. Listen, your neighborhood isn't just your neighborhood. It's your neighborhood. You were put in that neighborhood for a reason. God has given you authority to, to and, and please hear me, um, to save your neighborhood. <gasps> Even my dirty, rotten neighbor? Even your dirty, rotten neighbor. You're there to be a demonstration of the gospel, to be one who, who brings blessing into that neighborhood, who brings encouragement, who brings strength. Matthew 5, 13 and 16 says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not, and to hear what you hear and did not. God has blessed your hearing and your eyesight. He has given you spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. Get out the spiritual Q-tips and clean them and listen. Because there are prophets that went before you that could not hear because they weren't walking in the new covenant. They didn't have access to the Holy Spirit. And we have become so common, we, we, we don't even realize what we have. The inheritance and the blessing to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. To have the Word come alive to us. And finally, we have protection. We have protection under the umbrella of His covenant. We have protection under the umbrella of His relationship. Matthew 7 and verse 24 says, whoever, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the fl floods came and the wind blew and they beat on that house. But it did not fall. When I'm on the, under the umbrella of the Lord, listen, the rain is going to come. The floods will come. But if the foundation is right and we're under the umbrella... We're doing the will of God. It says that place will stand. That person will stand. Him who was outside of that umbrella and builds his house upon the sand, the God who's always moving around, there's no stability, no foundation, no covenant, just wandering around trying to find something out there that's worthwhile believing in for today. When the storms come, they're looking for stability. Can I encourage you? Sometimes Christians are put in neighborhoods 
for when the storm comes. You ever been there? People just against you, against you, against you, and then when the storm hits their life, they're like, oh, can we have coffee? Can we talk about this? When the storm comes, under the umbrella, God is our protection. Matthew 13 and 18 says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of a kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is who received the seed by the wayside. This is the parable of the sower. But it says, He who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They hear the good word of a Savior that covers all their sin. That's a great message. <laughs> That's a life-changing message. That is the message everybody is looking for. But it says, yet he has no root in himself. What are the roots? In a, in, a, in a natural structure. Those trees, you see, you see the trunk and the leaves. There is a whole network of roots that go out. So when the storms come and the winds come, the tree doesn't just topple over. And that's why it's important for us to understand that covenant relationship we have with God. That they, we must have a root in ourselves to understand that my roots need to go down into God so that when the storm comes, I can handle the resistance. I can handle the wind. For when the tribulations or persecution arise because of the Word, immediately He stumbles. There are too many casualties <laughs> over the years in the Christian faith. And I want to encourage you tonight. I, I, I do not want to give you a soft cell gospel. Do you know what I mean by a soft cell gospel? Come to Jesus and everything's going to be awesome. Jesus is the divine Santa Claus. You're just going to get stuff. And, and I've been in, in meetings like that. <laughs> and that's why we need better, good, pre, better, pre, not better than this house. <laughs> we need better preachers out there. This house has a very good word. And we need to understand that when, 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 not if, when persecution comes over that word, you must have root. You must understand what Jesus Christ, you must be able to have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies in that moment and know that God loves you and that you are a co-heir with Christ and you have been divinely chosen for such a time as this and He went to the cross for you so that nothing that comes against us can separate us from the love of God. And as that root goes in deeper, the enemy can bring more and more and more against you. And that root goes deeper and that root goes deeper. And the grace of God covers you. 
and you can rescue others and you can be a shelter to others who are in the midst of that storm and they can come under oh man there's a whole nother sermon coming under the leaves of protection of the saints the trees in the house of god they can come and find rest and peace under your tree because your roots are down and strong when the weather and when the storms come psalm 132 and verse 11 says as I close the Lord has sworn in truth to David and he will not turn from it when the Lord swears to something he holds to his word when he swears an oath he says I will hold to my oath and I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body if your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I will teach them, their sons shall also sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion, and he has desired it for his dwelling place. And this is my resting place forever. And here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Isaiah 59 verse 21 says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put into your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants descendants says the Lord from this time forth and forevermore and then goes on in verse 60 to say, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen and amen.